Welcome to the King's Chapel, Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Now, I want you to look at somebody and say, neighbor. Let's try a little more. I caught you off guard, I know. Let's try that again. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. Oh, neighbor. Tonight, you're going to learn how to discern the four voices in your head. I feel a Pentecostal shimmy coming on. John 12, verse 28 through 30, verses 28 through 30, John 12, 28 through 30. This is a fascinating scripture. And I want you to, I'm going to read it and I'm going to go a little bit into it and then we're going to share some things. We're just going to dig into this and we're going to get very interesting. Probably 20 minutes from now, you're going to hear some interesting things that if you've never heard it are a little bit mind-blowing research recently. Father, chapter 12, verse 28, glorify thy name. Then there came a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. And the people, therefore, that stood by heard it. Now, all of them heard something. But I want you to know how they interpreted what they were hearing. And they said, it thundered. Others said, an angel has spoke to him. Jesus answered and said, the voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now, there's three people hearing, there's people hearing three different voices. The sound of what sounded like thunder. Why would God speak and it sound like thunder? Because the Old Testament says that God came on Mount Sinai and it sounded like thunder to the people at the base of the mountain. See, to Moses, who was up close, he heard God's voice. To the people far away from the presence, it was just noise. So it thundered. And others said it's an angel. Now, the people who said it was an angel were a little bit more closer to God because that an angel's voice is a spiritual voice. But they weren't quite close enough to discern the difference between an angelic voice and the voice of Almighty God. And I'm going to explain it to you this way. It is the pattern of the outer court, the inner court, and the Holy of Holies. In the outer court is natural light. In the inner court is the light of the menorah, which requires olive oil and fire. In the Holy of Holies, you might not know this, there was no light in the Holy of Holies. So every day, the people could stand out in the natural light. They saw natural things. They could see your face, tell who you are, who you were. But they walked by sunlight, which is natural light. But those who moved from the outside a little bit closer in... Every week, the priests would change the, the bread on the table of Shebread. They would break it up and eat it and bake new bread. Every week, the menorah had to have new oil. Addition. You know, they burnt the oil up in the menorah. They had to replace new oil, fresh oil, in those seven branches that were big and shaped like the shape of an almond branch. 
And then you had the altar of incense that twice a day they'd go in and offer incense in the morning and incense of the evening representing prayers going up. But see, when you left sunlight, you had to pass a curtain. Do you understand that in that outer court, inner court, and holy of holies were two veils, two big curtains? And Paul said that the veil represents your flesh. So as you are coming from natural things into spiritual things, you have to deal with your flesh. Oh, come on. You know what it was like when you went to your first Pentecostal service. Why are they clapping their hands? That's dumb. They don't do that in my church. Why are they lifting their hands? That's dumb. They don't do that in my church. And I felt like telling you, you ain't in your church. Okay, so take that. That's what I tell folks back home that come across that way. See, the problem was you had to deal with your flesh. The outer court is your body. The inner court is your soul. The holy of holies where the ark is is your spirit. Body, soul, and spirit. And there is a flesh veil when you are talking about your body and then trying to deal with something in your soulish realm or your mind or your soul. There's a veil. You've got to say, I don't care. It doesn't make sense. I'm clapping anyway. doesn't make sense. I'm raising my hands anyway. Speaking in tongues sounds crazy. You're talking in a language you never learned. I'm going to do it anyway. Now, when you get into the light of the, uh, not the holy of holies, but the outer court and inner court, you've got the menorah light. You've got seven branches. It takes oil to create that light. You've got to replenish the oil, which is the anointing of God's spirit, the presence of God. You've got to keep replenishing it to keep that fire and that light burning in you. But here's the cool part. When the priest went through the biggest veil, and that veil, if you want to know how big it was, it was squares, a hand's breadth thick that two oxes couldn't tear it. They tested it. But yet when Jesus died on the cross, the lintel broke and split that veil from the top to the bottom, and that's the day God opened his door for business mm -hmm. and told the sinners to come on into the place where judgment used to be. You're going to find mercy at the mercy seat of the foot of the cross, the propitiation of our sins. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to preach all over the place tonight, so you might as well get ready to widen the house and stretch this thing out, because I'm going to be all over this place tonight. I want to tell you, though, that when you get into the Holy of Holies, there is no sunlight, and there is no menorah. There is only one type of light. Are you ready? It's the illumination of the Shekinah or what we call the glory of God. The Shekinah is the feminine word for what we talk about or the Jews talk about the glory of God, the manifestation of God. And in there was a light that the priest once a year had to go into that place with the blood and sprinkle it 42. Are you ready? 42 times. He sprinkled blood in the outer court, the inner court, in the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement one time a year. Let me talk to you about the Day of Atonement because you see that was the time that the priest would go to the Ark of the Covenant on the east end of the Ark and sprinkle with hyssop the blood seven times of the bull and the blood of the goat and the blood of the, of the, of the lamb. Seven, he sprinkled it seven times on that mercy seat that was on the Ark of the Covenant. I feel like preaching here if you don't mind. Glory glory to his holy name. And you understand that, that, the, that the thing about that, that blood and the 
sprinkling of that blood that made it so unique was he only did it one time a year, one time on Yom Kippur, the sixth festival of Israel, seventh on the, um, God help me, on the seventh month and the tenth day, one time, one time, we had a whole day to do it. He sprinkled that blood and then you would have another entire year go by and he wouldn't go back in that place. But there's two things that rabbis told me that happened when that took place. Number one, that, that God communicated to him and God said he would do this. I will communicate to the priest once a year from the mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant. Are you ready? And it was called the language of God. I had an old rabbi in Jerusalem tell me, he said, what do you believe? And we were using an interpreter. He spoke Hebrew. And I said, well, I'm, I'm a little odd. I believe in, the, in casting out devils. I believe in healing the sick. And I believe in speaking in tongues. And I thought, I guess I just shocked him. He looked at me. He said, oh, you mean the language of God? I said, what do you know about speaking in tongues in the language of God? He said, once a year when the priest would go into the Holy of Holies uh, on the Day of Atonement, uh, he was able to communicate to God in a language uh, only on that day that him and God could talk in and no demon could hear it and no evil spirit could interfere with it. And then when he would leave the presence of God, he wasn't able to do it again. And it was called the language of God. I got all excited and said, I don't go in once a year. I come up every day talking in tongues. I go the next week talking in tongue. Hey, hey, hey. But watch very carefully because when I'm in the outer court, I can hear the voice of human beings. I hear the voice of people. When I get into the menorah, that's where the angel Gabriel showed up. Remember? He showed up at the golden altar, not in the outer court, but in the inner court. All right, now stay with me. But when you get in the Holy of Holies, you hear the voice of God. That's body, soul, spirit. That's your spirit praying in tongues to the Holy Spirit. Now think about this. Some said it was thunder. That's outer court people. Living in the flesh, walking up there in the outer court, walking by all natural things and natural. But then when you go from the outer court to the inner court, that's where the angel Gabriel was. That's the second bunch that said, oh, it wasn't thunder. It was the voice of an angel. But there were some that was close enough to him. John, who leaned on his breast and heard his heartbeat, was close enough to him. Oh, you, are, y'all, are y'all checking what I'm saying? John wrote this. John chapter 12. John was close enough to say, it wasn't thunder. You weren't hearing right. It wasn't an angel. You weren't hearing right. It was a voice from heaven, from the Father. And I heard what it said. Why could John hear it? Because John was not an outer court man. John was not an inner court man. Because when at the Last Supper, there was only one leaning up on his chest to hear his heart beat, to know what his heart was. And it was the apostle John whom he loved. Mm. And that's the introduction to the message. Give the Lord a hand. That's just the introduction. There are four possible voices. I'm going to give these to you, and I'm going to key up on the fourth one. There is the voice of God. There is the voice of man. There is the voice of Satan. And there is the voice of what Paul called the inner man. And I'm going to expound on the inner man in detail in just a moment. And if you can grasp this, if the Lord will help me 
to deliver it the way he gave it to me and share it with you by revelation. I believe it's going to transform something about you spiritually in a new level on this Saturday night here in Wasilla. How do you know the difference when you hear the voice of God, the voice of man, the voice of Satan, and then finally you hear the inner man? I want you to listen to me very carefully. The voice of God comes through God the Father, God the Son, who is Christ, the Holy Spirit, and holy angels. You will always know it is the voice of God. Now listen to one word I'm going to give you because God always speaks life. Say it again. Ready? God always speaks life. When you hear a voice speaking death over you, it is not from God. When you hear a voice trying to make you afraid, God has not given us the spirit of fear. Now watch this. But power, love, and a sound mind. What do you think power, love, and a sound mind is? It's life. In the Greek word, it's zoe. And it means the absolute life of God. It means the pure life of God. But watch this. The voice of God will speak life, and it will be the it will bring a, bring a byproduct of three things that Paul mentioned in the book of Romans. Here it is. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So if you're walking in righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, you have been listening to the voice of God because it always is a voice that will speak life to you. Now, what about the voice of man or men? Now, watch what I'm going to say. The Bible talks about man's voice, and it says this. The power of life and death are in the tongue. James even talks about that if you don't control your tongue in your normal conversation, if you don't control it and bridle it, and you kind of say whatever you want to say, your religion could be in vain. You know the voice of a man because a man can either speak to you life or he can speak to you death. Children who come up, and they come up under maybe a very hard life, and they come up under an alcoholic father or an abusive mother, you find out that those types of individuals, as they get older, struggle in life. These are the types of individuals that sometimes they harm other people because they were harmed themselves. They don't know how to treat their wife because they never saw dad treat mama right. They never saw mama was not faithful to dad, running around just all over the place with everybody. And so the daughter comes up and she's been married four and five times. See, they only know what was spoken over them and the words that were given to them. So if they had a godly parent speaking life, watch how those kids grow up. They may stray for a while, but you can't. You might stray, but you can't get away. Mm. You're going to always come back. Stray, but you ain't going to get away. And so if you if a man can speak speak life to you or death to you. Now, I don't mind telling you, I don't want to be around negative people. Negative people oppress and depress me. I want to be around somebody who's going to lift me up and somebody that's going to encourage me. I want to be around somebody that say, everything's going to be all right. I want to be around somebody that said, baby, I've already been there, so don't worry about it. God brought me through. God's going to bring you through. That's speaking life, but you can as a person either speak the words of life or the speak of death. You're an idiot. You're stupid. You're dumb. You're never going to make it. You're never going to amount to anything. Those are words of death and not life. Now, this is how you know the voice of Satan. Everybody ready to understand the voice of Satan? Are you ready? 
principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, wicked spirits in heavenly places. These are satanic kingdom voices. And you will know it's the voice of Satan. Are you ready? Because it cannot speak life. It is impossible for Satan to speak positive life over you. Satan will always speak destruction and death. Always. Because the Bible says the thief, now that's the enemy, John 10, 10, comes not but for to kill and to steal and to destroy. Therefore, uh, let me just talk to you how this happens. Peter, on in Matthew's gospel, on one occasion, uh, Jesus was asking the disciples, who do men say that I am? And Peter just jumped up and said, man, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Well, Jesus looked at him and started bragging on him. Oh, happy are you, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood did not reveal it to thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. What you bind on earth is bound in heaven. What you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. And Peter's sitting over there going, that's me. He's he's talking about me, Peter. Did you? He didn't say John. He didn't say Matthew. He didn't say Luke. He said Peter. Can you see him? A little bit proud, heads getting, head swelling just a little bit. And then Jesus turns around just the same chapter, a few verses later, and begins to reveal a secret to them. I'm going to have to go, and I'm going to have to suffer, and I'm going to have to die. And here comes Peter, the professional promise man, who has the promises. Be it far removed from the old Lord that it should ever happen. And Jesus turns right around and says to the same man that he just bragged on, get behind me, Satan. That will take your ego from the peak of the highest mountain in Alaska to the lowest valley. Come on, where the bear's walking. You do understand that about that time, you could hear the air go out of the room. How can a man want, now this is very important. How can a man one minute be so in the flow and then a few verses later be so out of the flow? I mean, he flipped that quick. And the answer is, everybody ready? Are you sitting back for this? Look what you do. It got so quiet. Look how you're loving on your kids, and one thing happens. The boy, you better straighten up. I'm going to slap you sideways. Anybody home? Don't hang up the phone now. Oh, you're bragging on how you love your wife. And five minutes later, you're arguing, driving in a car right down there, just arguing up a storm. You might as well get the halos and the wings off because uh, you borrowed them to get here anyway. I mean, you know, just get them off. You borrowed them to to make yourself look good. So just get them off right now. Take take them off. We need to just be real. Touch your neighbor and say, come on, quit faking it. Be real. He's talking about you. Go ahead and say it. (laughs) He's talking about you. So how fast, how fast do we have peace and we lose our temper? How fast do we have joy and then we lose our peace? How fast do we talk great things and we get provoked and we get angry and all of a sudden we're angry and we have to say to ourselves, I shouldn't have acted that way. I, I shouldn't have done that that way. Okay, that's the same way in the situation that we're talking about, which leads me. I know you're waiting for this fourth one. I know you've been waiting. Anybody been waiting to know the fourth one? 
Paul kept talking about the inner man. Now, most of the time, we translate the inner man as the, as the spirit of a man. We, talk, we translate it as body, soul, and spirit. Now, I'm going to have to say this now because it comes out later. Body is the flesh. It's what you're looking at when you look at somebody. It's the part that ages, gets wrinkles, slows down, one day dies, go back to the dust. That's your body. But then you have soul and spirit. And the Bible tells us that at death, that something comes out of the body. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That is the soul slash spirit. The soul, however, on earth is connected to the intellect, the will, the mind, and the five senses. The soulish realm is the hearing, seeing, smelling, tasting, touching realm. That's a part of the soulish man. And the reason I say it's part of the soulish man and not just the physical man, now watch me here now, because you have ears right here, that's physical, but then Jesus said, he that hath ears, let him hear. So what are those ears? That's the ears of the inner person or the soul. We could say soul slash spirit. And then you have eyes to see. But why does Paul then say to people who already have eyeballs that the eyes of your understanding will be opened because you have natural eyes and you have spiritual eyes. Now, you can be carnal with your mouth. This is the tongue. This is the mouth. And you can say carnal things in English with your tongue. But you know what you can also do with that mouth that is totally spiritual? Speak in other tongues. It's your tongue, it's your vocal cords, it's your voice box, it's your larynx, but it's coming through the power, hallelujah, of the Holy Spirit that dwells on the inside of you. So you can be, now watch carefully, you can be either what is called a spiritual person or you can be a carnal person. And a carnal person means that you're operating off of the realm of hearing, seeing, smelling, tasting, and touching only in the body or the flesh realm. There is a hearing, seeing, smelling, tasting, and touching that operates in the realm of the Holy Spirit, where my ears hear your natural voice, but my inner ear, I hear the voice of God telling me, you better watch them. Oh, brother, I love you. There they are putting on that little thing. Oh, I just love you. I'm praying for you. And you hear the voice of your inner Holy Spirit ear say, you better look out. You better look out for that dagger they got coming after you. See, some of you I can tell ain't been through what I've been through. You will one day, long enough. Serve God long enough, somebody will betray you, turn on you. People that, read Matthew 24. The biggest thing that's going to happen in the last days is not just wars, rumors of wars, famines, pestilence, earthquakes. Go past that and read where it says, and many shall be offended, and many shall hate one another and betray one another. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many many shall wax cold. But he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. And if you want to know in the context of what he's talking about enduring, he's not talking about enduring an earthquake a famine and a pestilence. He's talking about you being able to endure being hurt and offended by people. If you can endure people offending you and hurting you and betraying you and turning on you, if you can make it through it, baby, if you can take it, you can make it. I'll preach that message right here. Somebody give the Lord a praise because if you can take it, you can make it. Let's talk for a moment. Now, we're about to get to the deeper stuff. Give, give me about three minutes. First of all, when God speaks, he will never speak anything contrary to his word. 
the prophet, alleged prophet Muhammad, this is what the Muslims call him, their prophet Muhammad, he allegedly was told by the angel Gabriel that God does not have a son. However, when I read the book of Luke, it says that Gabriel told Mary that this child is called the son of God. Now, there's either two different angels by the name Gabriel. One knows what he's talking about, the other one isn't. Come on, talk to me, somebody. Because God's not going to tell the angel Gabriel to tell Mary that Jesus is the son of God and six centuries later tell Muhammad that God has no son. So somebody wrong somewhere. Help me preach this right here. Because you know why? God, God will never contradict his word. So if it's written in the word, he will not contradict it. The second thing you need to understand is God is never going to tell you to do something he forbids in scripture. If God said in the beginning, in the very beginning of time, God said man and woman, male and female, Adam and Eve, he didn't change it to Adam and Steve. No, I'm, I'm just being honest with you. He is not going to take his word where he has forbidden something and later say it's okay. Oh, you're going, I got quiet in the house. It's okay. I'm used to quiet. I can preach over top of quiet. I got a loud mouth up here. Hey, he will always emphasize life and never emphasize death. That's why abortion is wrong. Abortion is death. Abortion is emphasizing the taking of a life that God has put in there. And a man and a woman have the... Did you know that a man and a woman have the ability to do something that nothing else can do? The animal kingdom cannot produce an eternal soul and spirit that lives on forever in the image of God. A bear can't do it. An elk can't do it. A moose can't do it. They cannot procreate. They create something in their own likeness, but they cannot create an eternal being because Ecclesiastes says, who knows the spirit of a man that goes back to God who gave it? And who knows the spirit of the beast that goes to the earth? Animals cannot create an eternal being. It is impossible because they are only body and they are soulish. The Hebrew word is nephesh, but they don't have an eternal spirit. God, now watch this. When you create a baby, whether it be male or female, you have created a body. Watch this. You have created a soul, and inside of that body and soul, that little thing is something called the spirit, which can never die, which can never be destroyed. And if you take its life by abortion, the spirit, little baby spirit, will go back to God who gave it. Is that deep or what? It's Bible. Oh, don't give me. Y'all look at me like that. I'm going to have to plow in another direction. I don't want to plow in another direction. I don't want to have to go there because be, we, we get sidetracked on so many different messages. So that's the thing about the Lord. He's God of life. Man's, men's voice will manipulate you, intimidate you, and man always seeks to, bring, seeks to bring glory to himself. You will know the voice of Satan by four things. These four things are evident that the adversary's voice is speaking. Number one is when you begin to doubt. When you begin to doubt God exists, and when you begin to doubt God is good, the enemy's working. That's the wrong voice. The second thing is fear. God has not given you fear. When you begin to fear, something makes you afraid and terrify you. It is not from the Lord ever. Number three, unbelief. Unbelief keeps the power and presence of God from operating in your life. You fall short, according to Paul, of the promises of God when you fall into unbelief. And fourthly, uh, is when, when Satan tries to defeat you in any effort you're making, any, anything you're doing, when there is a spirit of defeat and lack to try to pull you down, then you got to understand that the enemy is at work. See, the devil, that last one the enemy hates. The enemy hates victory. Talk to me, somebody. He hates you walking in victory. Because let me tell you what Jesus did to him symbolically in the garden. He was a snake, and he used to walk 
or he used to fly, and I can prove it to you because the Bible said that when Adam and Eve sinned, God took the servant and cursed him to the dust, and he crawls on his belly. Now, you know what? When you take the feet off of a snake, what you've done to it, you defeated it. So next time the snake wiggles in your life, say, get out of my life. You done been defeated. But God gave you feet that Paul said the very God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. That's why I like to stand up and dance every now and then and dance on the dragon's head and dance on the serpent's head to let him understand I got a set of feet that you ain't got. Help me preach somebody. But here's the fourth voice. Now, we're going to plow here. Oh, we're about to go somewhere. And I've never, can I tell you this? In my lifetime of hearing my daddy preach, in my lifetime of hearing many evangelists come through our church, in my lifetime of hearing what I believe to be are some of the greatest preachers, I've heard them mention this word, but I can never, I can never recall anybody preaching on what I'm about to tell you about. That the fourth voice that God has given you which comes out of what you hear from your soul and spirit is something in the Bible called the conscience. Believe this or not, conscience in the King James translation is mentioned 31 times in 29 verses. Now, when you get that many times a word is mentioned, you need to pay attention to it. John 8 and 9, they were convicted, I'm going to quote this, they were convicted by their conscience. Acts 24, 16, you need to have a conscience void of offense. Romans 13 and 5, pay your taxes for conscience sake. In other words, you do certain things because you just don't want to feel guilty that you did the wrong thing. Are you tracking with me? Mm -hmm. 1 Corinthians 10, 25, there was a big argument about should they eat meat, should they not eat meat? What if it was sacrificed to an idol? So Paul said, eat what's set before you Asking no questions for conscience sake. Because he said, if you're against eating a certain thing, then you find out from the host of the house, it is that certain thing. Then your conscience will bother you. So he said, pray, bless, and eat what's set before you. I'm going to tell you, I, I came to a point a while back. I'm starting to eat everywhere, and I'm starting to get, I'm, no, I don't mean all the time. I start feeling sick. I start feeling nauseous. I start feeling food poisoning. And I got to, I got to said, you know what, God, I'm not going to bless this food. I'm going to rebuke it. Something is in this stuff. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. You foul steak, whatever's in you that makes me get diarrhea half the time I eat it, I You foul, whatever. <laughs> Ate some pork one time. I, 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 I promise it must have been the pork from the man of Gadara where the devils came into it and went into the sea. You foul spirit. Come out of that pork chop in the name of Jesus. Start rebuking my food instead of blessing it. I have to preach this way to, it's just, it's just who I am. Okay. Definition of conscience. Let me give you the definition. If you're keeping notes, I'm going to try to talk a little, little slower because you really need to get this message. The inner feeling 
or voice, acting as a guide to the righteousness or wrongfulness of your behavior. Okay, let, me just, let me say it again in case you're writing it down. The inner feeling or, or voice acting as a guide to the righteousness or wrongfulness of your behavior. The conscience in Greek, sunidesis, I think is how it's pronounced, means a moral awareness of what is right or wrong based on how you are responding to it. So your conscience is an emotion that reacts to your thoughts, your words, or your actions. Let me, let me say that again because this is really important. So the conscience is the thing that is reacting to what you think. When you think something you shouldn't be thinking, you will hear a voice. It's not audible, right? Shouldn't be thinking that. And it's like it's coming out of you. You would say it's your mind talking to you, but Paul would say it's your conscience talking to you. When you say, uh, not just thoughts, but when you say a word to someone and you said it in the wrong tone or wrong spirit, you will walk back wherever you're at or get in your car and you will hear something say, you need to apologize to them. That wasn't the right thing. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't do that right. What is that thing in us that makes us say we didn't do it right and we should be the one to apologize? Now, we would say it's the Holy Spirit's conviction. You can surely say that because Paul ties this together with that. But it's really the inward conscience. If you, oh, help me, Jesus. If you have an unrighteous conscience, you can say and do anything and never feel bad about it. That's how these guys go out there and they become serial killers and never apologize in the court case. They've been turned over to a reprobate mind. Because they have, I'm getting ahead of myself. So, but when you have a godly conscience, you become sensitive to your own actions. A ungodly person will always judge other people by their own. I'll tell you what I think about him. Let me give you my opinion. I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. The people who walk in the flesh are always looking at other people's problems. And many times they're looking at other people's problems in an attempt to justify their own weakness. But a, a godly person, though, will look at other people and do their best to love them through their problem, care about what they're going through. And even if they rebuke, it's never a rebuke in hate. It is a rebuke in love. And they will weep and cry while they're telling someone that's the wrong thing. You know why? Because they love them enough to help them get over what they're dealing with. Because many times, if people have been through what you've already been through, they're trying to keep you from going through what they already went through. Preach on, Perry. We're going to get deep now. Give me about two minutes. We're about to go deep. The conscience has an ability to choose because God said to Israel, choose you this day whom you will serve. So when you say, well, I couldn't help myself. I didn't have no control over that. That is a lie. Da, 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 da. You're trying to make an excuse for your sorry way. When, when you say, I had no choice, 
Yes, you do. You have the choice to listen or not. You have the choice to turn that TV off. You have the choice to block. You know, some of you need to block some hateful, negative people on your Facebook page. Because you're always checking them out, and they got depressing words to say, and they're negative, and they're mad at the preacher, and they're mad at the church. And you go sit I wonder what they're thinking. I don't give a flipping rip what they're thinking. Do you think I care? Dude, I got so much to do for God, I am busy doing what I'm doing without sitting down and trying to scope out and try to scan and trying to shadow look at what everybody thinks about me. Do you think I care what everybody thinks about me? Look, I've dealt with the press, and I've dealt with the media. I've dealt through things, and I said to myself, that's a lie. I've had him deal with my friends. I know a couple from Florida that had uh, 48 newspaper articles done on them in Tampa, Florida, and I knew the couple, and I knew the situation, and I knew the older lady they were talking about, and everything that paper said was a lie. They finally found out that their lawyer, who was supposed to be defending them, was working for the newspaper. And when they finally got rid of him and they got a California lawyer that deals with Hollywood people, he sued a tabloid newspaper and in 30 days got all kinds of money from him because they lied. Let me tell you what happened to me with the New York Times. Oh, I made it. I made it big. I made the New York Times. How do you like that? I get the New York Times a reporter, and I'm not saying he's a bad guy. Honestly, he's just doing his job. He's just he's doing what he's supposed to do. He calls my office and said, Berkeley University has done a study on YouTube, preachers' YouTube channels, and Perry Stone was on the top of the list, and they went through and believed that the majority of his YouTube videos need to be banned on YouTube because they're conspiracy theories. So my office manager said, send me a list. Conspiracy theory number one, my teaching on the rapture. Conspiracy theory number two, my teaching that Jesus was coming back again. Conspiracy number three, that prophecy was being fulfilled today. Conspiracy number four, that people can be demon-possessed. So some bright professor who lost his mind a long time ago. See, you got to understand something about liberals. Liberals are so open-minded, their brains have fallen out. No, think, think about it. You watch them on TV and they argue by emotion. You can show them rational. You can show them proof of something. You can have a paper and they will ignore it, right? They totally ignore it and they go back to arguing about, I'm They got machine gun mouth. I hope you all are like Tennessee people. Tennessee people like me preaching this way. So I hope you're like Tennessee. We're, 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 you know, we're, we're good old God guns and old glory down there. Vets, military, salute the flag. So, honey, you burn the flag in my county, you might get tarred and feathered before you leave. I'm not kidding. I am not kidding. I am not kidding. Our veterans don't put up with that mess down there. They died for that thing. They got friends on a battlefield. They got friends in a cemetery. And you're going to act like an idiot and burn the American flag? Why don't you go to Russia? Why don't you go to Siberia? Why don't you go ahead and live over there and see how you like it? See how you like living in a country like that. Woo, I'm sorry. I'm stirred up. 
just true. I'll get back on my message in about 30 seconds. Just, just If you'll just chill out with me, you'll be all right, I promise. <laughs> my, my God, help me now. All right. The, 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 I better get back. I, help me. Pam's looking at me. That means I need to straighten up. My conscience. <laughs> she just kind of sits and goes. Okay. Oh, I didn't what? That's why she's looking at him. She said I didn't finish about the newspaper. So this guy, this guy, this guy asked me a series of questions. I, I sent him three pages of entire paragraphs, and my office said to me, if he will quote you, you've answered every question he has. I mean, I answered everyone. I said, we're going to be nice to this guy. I'm not going to ignore And here it is. Article comes out in the New York Times, and out of three pages, he quotes one sentence from me. But see, I have the paper I sent him. So if I wanted to go on YouTube, which I'm not, and say, Mr. So-and-so from the New York Times asked me these questions. Let me read to you what I answered. Here's what he answered back. But you know what? American people have enough sense now to understand the game everybody's playing out there. So you don't have to explain it to common sense people like that's sitting here right now. Am I talking to anybody? You don't, you don't have to explain this to common sense people. Oh, Lord. Your conscience can choose. Your conscience has the ability to feel conviction or peace. Your conscience has the ability to tell you if you are right and wrong. Let me talk to you about this for a minute. I'm going to get to this. I promise you I'm about to get to this here in a second. It's just really amazing. There's a difference between conviction and condemnation. Too many times in the body of Christ, people have thrown those in the same bucket. So let me explain to you conviction. Conviction is what the Spirit of God does to the human conscience when the person has done wrong. If you do something that you should not do, now there's two, there's two types of wrong. There is Wrong that you know is wrong, and there is wrong that you didn't know was wrong. And in the Bible, it's called sin of, uh, of knowledge and, or sin against knowledge. A sin of knowledge is to know I'm not supposed to do it, but I do it anyway. That's a sin of knowledge. But a sin against knowledge is a sin that they would call in the Bible an unintentional sin that you didn't know it was wrong. Now, let me give you one crazy illustration. A girl got saved in Pulaski, Virginia years ago. Got saved about the second week of the revival, started coming every night. She was there, got filled with the Holy Spirit. So I decided about the third week, uh, four week, fourth week of that revival to have, have them testify. Come on, we want all those people that were saved. There was 150 people saved in the revival. So here come this girl. She's just all fired up. And she works at the bank. You know, she got a good job. And she says, I just want to thank God for saving me and, and filling me with the Holy Ghost. And he, she said, and when I got out of bed this morning with my boyfriend, I told him he needs to serve God. He needs to serve Jesus. And he needs to. And I went. This is 1981 in old school days. I went. I said, I grabbed the mic. I said, she ain't sanctified yet, folks. She loves Jesus, but she ain't sanctified yet. That's what you say in a Pentecostal church back then. And did you know, this is the God's truth. She was so new in the Lord. We, you think everybody's heard about Jesus and everybody knows what she didn't know that. To her, she'd been living with this guy. She just knew she got saved through the Holy Ghost. And they, the lady said, now, baby, you're going to have to make a decision. And they just showed her some verses. She said, well, I didn't even know that. So she told the boy, she says, if we're in love, you're going to marry me or I'm walking out the door. 
all because she saw the Bible and she believed what the word said. And so uh, anyway, she's done great all these years. She's an older woman now, but like me, kind of older now. And she's done great and everything was fine. But see, here's my point. There are people who do wrong and they don't know they're wrong. Do you know there's some people in an alternative lifestyle that have no idea what Genesis 19 teaches about life? They ain't got a clue. Uh, they really, really don't have a clue. And there's people that don't even know. Uh, we met, uh, Sam met somebody the other day that never heard who Jesus was. Jesus could have been Santa Claus for all they were concerned. So here's the thing. When you talk about someone being convicted, now, now pay attention. You can't be convicted over something that you don't know is wrong. Does that make sense? So if you're dealing with baby Christians or people that's new in the Lord, they may not know. They, I mean, they may, they may just, man, out there cussing the blue streak, going crazy. You're going you're gonna to say they need to change their conversation. They may not even know. Now, there's a difference between when you know and when you don't know. Because here's what will happen when you know. When you know, the Holy Spirit will convict you. That means to arrest, to seize and stop. And put you on hold, and you'll hear a conscience voice, not audible. Hey, this is your conscience. You're not going to hear that. At least you better hope you don't. You'd be passing out right there on the floor if you hear something like that talking to you. It's called the still, small voice. It's the little voice, right? It's just the little voice, and it speaks. And this is how you're led by the Spirit. You're led by the Spirit, not by an audible, booming voice like Jesus at the Jordan River hearing, this is my son. You're led by the inner, small voice of the Holy Spirit. Are you tracking with me? And so when you do something wrong and you know it's wrong, you will get convicted. Now watch. You have two choices. Repent, turn from it, and just follow God or, or ignore it. When you continue to ignore the voice, I'm going to warn you now. I'm going to give you a nice warning here. If you continue to, annoy the, uh, to ignore the voice, it is like a mama talking to her son. Don't do that. He does it again. Baby, Mama's telling you, don't do that. I'm told you that's not that you're that's dangerous. And then you're gonna tell him for and finally what do you do? You crack the whip and say, Go to your room, you're you you ain't going out for three days. Ah, I found out if you really want to mess a kid up, if you want to mess him up, take their phone from them. Dear God in heaven, all hell breaks loose. Are you listening to what I'm saying? My boy dreaded my boy back in the day would have rather got a whipping with a belt from me than he ever would to have his laptop or phone taken. They go into a fit, into a frenzy. Are y'all listening? Well, you do the same thing. When you can't find yourself, oh, God! Ah! 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 Where's my phone? Where's my phone? Where's my phone? Help the preacher. Somebody help the preacher right now. Help me, help the preacher. You know, you know it's the truth. Now, here's what'll happen, though, and I want to—I want to stay serious because we get into some really something really heavy here in a minute. I promise. So, if you keep, if you persist in ignoring conviction, here you're going to hit a time, and it may be weeks or months. It could be years. I mean, really, God—God's patient. He's kind. He's putting up with you, and it's just like raising a kid. One day, you just say, "Okay, enough's enough." And you will have a chastisement. And a chastisement is not just a rebuke from God. It is a whipping from God. 
that's the day, you know, you've been, you've been, you've been doing some, some drugs. You know you shouldn't, but you're still trying. You're struggling. That's the day the police pulls you over and finds the dope. <laughs> oh, oh, gosh. <laughs> well, God tried to tell you, get help. And now he said, well, you got six months in prayer. Oh, no, no, man. No, come on, dude. No, no, please. No, but you, it's when you kept drinking and God said you don't need it. You need the Holy Spirit. And then you end up hitting somebody and you've been drinking too much. And guess what happens? If you're, if you're from where we're from, oh, it ain't pretty. It ain't pretty. I mean, you're going to go. You're going to have to go. You're going to have to maybe go to jail. You're going to lose your license for a while. Can I tell you, I got some friends that lost their license. And it is no fun when you lose your license. Is it? It's no fun when you lose your life. Somebody drive. You've never had that happen to you. You've been saved your whole life. You've been, you come out of the crib saved, right? Is that what happened? You come out. You the baby speaking in tongues when you were just a baby. So here's the thing. It's better to listen to God early. It's better for him to deal with you early and you say, Lord, I'm, okay, I'm going through this and struggling with this, but Lord, you're going to help me. It is your will to help me. And then you get, you see, it's your will to help me. And I am going to make it through this one way or the other. Because what conviction does is it's the conscience that says, don't do it. And you agree and say, you're right. You're right. You're right. I got to quit this. You're right. I got to quit talking. I got to quit acting this way. I'm mean. I'm mean. I'm always losing my temper. I got to quit. Let me tell you. Anybody know what Kentucky Fried Chicken is? Who knows what Kentucky Fried Chicken is? I don't. Do y'all have them up here? Do you really? I didn't think they made it above the 48. <laughs> I didn't think chickens lived up here. <laughs> Too cold for the chicken. Chicken going to die. Frozen eggs, frozen eggs. You want some frozen custard, frozen eggs. Okay, so you know what Kentucky Fried Chicken is? Colonel Sanders. Who's ever seen the commercials of Colonel Sanders? Got a, he's dead now, but has a white, right? White suit with the cane. Kind of looks like me. All right? Got the white goatee and the white. His hair's a lot more white. I got a little black left. All right. Colonel Sanders, Colonel Sanders, if you know the story, uh, Colonel Sanders started, he lost, I mean, he just failed at everything. He, he literally failed at every job he ever had till he retired. Then he took a Social Security check, and he started frying chicken, and he made these spices. He had, I think it was 11 spices, and he, he worked on it, and he started selling it off the side of the road. She'd cook it, he'd sell it. So all these travelers in Shelbyville, is it, is it Shelbyville, Kentucky? Yeah, well, you're from there, that area, so you know what I'm talking about, right? You've been to the restaurant there? They have his original restaurant. Is you, when you preach for Bob, brother, is that not the best food? That is the most stupid food. Excuse me while I'm just meditating. It's unbelievable. So he's cooking it. And then they moved the road and built the interstate. And so he had to, anyways, took a pressure cooker. He started selling the, the formula. He became really rich. He had one problem, though, his whole life. They said he had the worst profanity mouth of anybody there was. People who worked for him who were Christians couldn't even stand to be around him. And I've talked to people that said, oh my God, in the day, uh, Colonel, he just cussed, he GD this. I'm not trying to say the words. We're not do that. But he was awful. So he goes to a Wayman Rogers church whose dad, whose father, uh, he's the father of Bob Rogers, who pastors in Louisville, Kentucky. And there was a 16-week revival going on. I mean, this revival was blowing the whole town up. So here comes Colonel Sanders in that white suit to church. He never, you know, I, I don't know if he ever really went. He just didn't care about nothing. He just, you know, businessman. So Wayman Rogers in the altar service went back to talk to Colonel Sanders. And I'm making a point here. And Colonel Sanders said, well, he said, 
Colonel, you need to accept Christ. Have you ever really accepted? He said, well, no, not really. He said, but see, I got a problem. I cuss all the time. He said, can Jesus help me to quit cussing? So sincere, an older man. He said, Colonel, if you'll accept the Lord, he'll change your heart. I'm about to go there. He'll change your heart. And when he changes your heart, it'll change everything about you. And that man got saved. And they tell me that after he accepted the Lord, that everything about him changed. The people that knew him said he was a completely different man because, now watch this, the conviction of the Spirit, there we go, touched his conscience. See, we think it touches our spirit first. No, that's when salvation comes to our spirit. What he does first is he convicts the conscience, the mind, the intellect, the thinking, the reasoning, and you hear him speak. All right, which leads me to this. Everybody give the Lord a praise before we get into this heavy stuff. Now, I want you to pay attention to what I'm about to show you. This is your body. <laughs> this, is bo this is Perry Stone's body. <laughs> it's all bad. It's all bad. <laughs> Inside of my body is something called the heart. Would you agree? If it was not pumping blood, what would have happened to me right now? I heard a kid say, I'd be dead. Honey, I hope I'd live a little bit. To raise me up. Raise me up if it quits. But if I, my heart quit pumping, you know what happens. The life, of the, the life of the flesh is in the blood. So the blood has to flow into my brain, into my body to keep my organs warm and alive because the life is in the blood. Oh, you know, we're going somewhere. Stay with me now. So here's my heart. They have discovered something. Now, you can research this. I had a pastor call me. He said, I want you to look this up. You, you, it's going to blow your mind. They started having something really weird happen to people who were heart patients. In other words, someone had a bad heart. They would take that heart out, physically bad heart. They would take that heart out and give them a heart of an accident victim, a heart of someone that has suddenly died, but their heart was good. They put that heart in there. And people started having, and this had happened for years, but they only started picking up on it a few years ago in research. They start having weird things happen. I'm going to give you just a few quick examples because I could give you 10. A girl who was a lesbian, who loved girls, who was hurt by men growing up and hated men, gets the heart of another young girl. Okay, she had a bad heart, so they did heart surgery. When she got the heart of the other girl, she stopped being a lesbian. She had no desire to be a lesbian. True story. She started loving guys. She fell in love with a boy. She started wanting to date boys. And her lesbian friend said, what's wrong with you? This is, she said, I don't know. It's like something's different about me. She did not like sports. It was never a sports person. And she started falling in love with baseball, not football, baseball. And then she'd go out and drink beers with all the guys. And the friends just freaked out because they said she's changed. Something's wrong with her. Something's happened to her. All right. They examined the heart that she got. The heart that she got was from a beautiful young lady who had a lot of boyfriends, who loved baseball, and drank beer with all of her boyfriends. Now, I'm, I'm giving, now this, is, this is just not one research. This is years of research, okay? Then there was a young girl that was in a car wreck and her head went into the windshield, but she lived a few days long enough to talk to her mother. And then I think it was blood clots or something happened. And something happened. I don't know the exact story, but something happened. She died. 
but they were able to save her heart. They gave her heart to another young girl who had a real serious defect in her heart from birth. So she gets a heart transplant. Now, the girl knows nothing about the heart she's got. She knows no, They've not told her where it came from because usually HIPAA law, they don't do that. They're not allowed to talk about it. Y'all, the nurses know what I'm talking Doctors know what I'm talking about. Just not allowed to talk about that, that type of thing. But the mama went to the doctor and said, you're going to have to help my daughter because when she closes her eyes to go to sleep, she sees a windshield in front of her with her head going into it. The girl before she died had told her mother, Mama, every time I close my eyes, I see the windshield, that my, my head hitting the windshield. I can see it and I can feel it. Now, I could tell you 10 stories at least that every person who got the heart transplant took on the characteristic of the person whose heart they got. All right. They came to a conclusion, and this has all been written in books now. Ready? That the heart has cellular memory. Let's say it again. The heart has cellular memory. And a recent doctor explained it this way. He said, the only way for me to explain it, for you to understand it, is just like your mind and brain controls the body, hearing, seeing, smelling, tasting, and touching. Now listen to this. The heart has a brain of its own. And it literally has cellular memory to remember events and things. And when you begin to recall, when you begin to recall what is in the heart, that's when you begin to feel depressed, happy, joyful. See, I used to think that all that, that thought stuff that was happening to me where I'd lay down the bed and I'd just be thinking was only coming from the mind. But if I go into the future, it's the mind. If I am in the present, it's the, we're going deep. It's the mind. But if I'm always seeing the past, it's the heart. This is why that you have to choose to forgive people who have hurt you because the hurt is in the cellular memory of your heart. And you will go years remembering your daddy's abuse. You will go years rem remembering. Just you're, you're living for today. You're looking for the future and you're planning. But then you're reverting back because in the heart's brain, it still remembers all that stuff that happened to you. And only when you watch, forgive from your and release. Ask God to release from your heart. What happens? The memory changes. The memory begins to fade. This is what God meant when he said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. I will take out of you your stony heart. God Almighty, don't you feel it? And I will put in you the heart. Let this heart or mind be in you. That was in Christ Jesus. Now, let's go a step further. You ready for this? Not only there's something called the gut nerve. 
that runs from this area and goes all the way into the brain. I mean, this is all medically proven. Anybody that's studied nursing or you've studied to be a doctor, you know what I'm speaking of here. Now, let me talk to you about the brain and the mind. Let me talk to you about the heart. And let me give you one of the freakiest things. Can I use the word freaky? Freaky! That I've ever heard. They have discovered, and I'm going to explain some things to you that's really deep that you've had questions about. Jesus, help me. This is really deep, but it's scientifically, medically now proven. Ready? Every human being in this room is a being whose body operates off of electric current. What is a pacemaker? A pacemaker is a device. Come on, your heart is is an electrical it's not just flesh and blood. Do I have any nurses here that will help me preach this? Can I, can I help? Will you help me preach this? You, you, if you hook somebody up to machines, right, machines with wires, the brain, ding, 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 ding. How's that happening? The heart, boom, 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 boom. How's that happening? Cut the electricity off and it stops. It all stops. Cut it off in the hospital. Of course, the machines quit working. But you are an electromagnetic creature and it is proven that you have a magnetic field here's what the here's what the researchers say within 5 feet of you here's what it means ready mm. that you can pick up the magnetic impulses of another person standing 5 feet from you and we'll go deep i had a gentleman and this ha- gentleman happened to be a and the gay lifestyle, he's now a Christian. And he said this to me, and I've also had a couple other friends that have, you know, been, God's really touched them and helped them. And they've all, I asked them this question. I said, is this really true? They said, man, is it true? It's totally true. And they said this, we could go even before we were saved. We could walk into a church. And the guy did not look effeminate. The guy had no characteristics that some would say were what we would call, you know, where you'd look at them and say, well, they're in the alternative lifestyle. Because there are people you could look at, maybe how they dress or act. Do you think that? And it's not always true, but you could think that. But they said we could pick up on a man struggling with the homosexual lifestyle, and he could look like an athlete, and you would know within five feet. They said that. Within five feet, uh uh-oh, he's trouble. If I get with him or we start hanging out, He's going to pull me back. He said, I'm telling you, brother, they used to say it this way. It's like a spirit, and maybe it is. But think about what I'm saying from this whole scientific perspective of what they're now saying. You can pick up on another person's vibes. Can we break it down and go a little bit into the area? Okay, okay, watch this. The Bible talks about people who have eyes full of adultery. You know what what it means to have eyes full of adultery? It's a guy who can't keep his eyes off of women. I got an amen from three people. This is so bad right now. This is really, I've got to figure this one out. But what what it means is they literally are a womanizer. Okay, let's just say it that way. There are women some women who are the same way. They just, they just love the attention or they love the affection or they just love the compliments. So watch what happens. I've had it. I've had guys tell me this. I'm going to give you an illustration. 
choir at a church in Cleveland, Tennessee. This guy says to me, I am in the choir and I'm having problems with my wife. We're having marital problems. And there is a girl three seats over or four seats over from me who just looks at me one day and magnets go whoop. We end up having an affair right there in the choir, singing in the choir, having an affair, just singing in the choir. And, and he said to me, it was the weirdest deal because she knew she wanted me and I knew I wanted her and we didn't even talk to each other. Okay, can I ask something? How do you explain that? You can only explain it, if you want to explain it scientifically or medically, I don't know which what term we would use on that, medical research, scientific research. You can explain it by the magnetic field. If someone has something in their heart, Out, okay, let's go to the Bible. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. For out of the heart proceeds adultery, fornication, lying, murders. See, I used to think, can I just tell you this? I used to think when the Bible said heart, it meant the spirit of the soul. I changed the word right in front of people. Now, when the Bible says the heart is wicked, that heart doesn't do any. I said, you heard me say it a hundred times, baby. The heart doesn't do anything but pump blood. It can't think. It can't reason. It doesn't have a brain. I preached it for years, and guess what I found out? <laughs> surprise, surprise. Jesus knew what he was talking about the whole time. Here's the point. Christ already knew when God created man that the magnetic field was there. See, this is called, in the spirit, bearing witness with someone. Bearing witness with a person. Let's, let's look at the positive side. It's not all bad. I have been in restaurants, no cross, no Christian jewelry, someone walking by, and I'd say, Pam, that woman right there is saved and full of the Holy Ghost. I said, watch me, watch me. I'm going to mess with her right here. And she'd come back and I'd say, my God, I feel like talking in tongues. She said, are you one of them too? <laughs> right? How many times have we done this? And she said, well, how did you know I was a Christian? She said, I don't, I try not to say a lot about it. Did I come across that? Did I say, she said, I said, you didn't have to say nothing. Now watch, I'm going to say it this way. I didn't say this to her. She wouldn't understand it. But my field is Holy Ghost field. My field is a Jesus loving field. My magnetic field is a sanctified Holy Ghost tongue-talking field. And when you get somebody who's got the same magnetic field, I'm going to preach it different. It's okay. I'll bring it back to the Word. And I got somebody who's a Holy Ghost, fire-baptized, Jesus-loving. They ain't got to say a word to me. They don't have to talk in tongues. They don't have to say, are you a Christian? Something in my heart can bear witness with their heart that they are a child of God. And the Bible says we bear witness with one another that we know him. Hallelujah. So I'm going to tell you something. Be careful who gets within five feet of you. <laughs> People are so sincere. Just a lady, just a nice lady. Walked up to me and said, can I give you a hug? I said, no. Really offended her. Well, I didn't mean nothing bad by it. I said, I didn't either, but no. 
I don't know you. I ain't hugging you. I walked off. Stuck up preacher. No, not stuck up preacher. Wise preacher. I don't want somebody hugging on me. Got a devil on them. Boy, it's awful quiet in this place. I'm just telling you right now. Now, 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 let's look at this because this is where it gets really amazing as well. Mm -hmm. If another person's heart, now remember this, that other heart has had blood flowing through it of that person, right? It has had their blood in the past, all right? Even when they transfer it to you, there can be a residue, obviously, of something in the cellular memory of that heart that you have gotten from that person. When people come to Jesus, Lord, I just wish I had a hundred sinners in this house right here. I might have ten. I don't know, but listen to me. People have this misconception of coming to the Lord, and it goes something like this. Well, you know what, preacher? Now, look, I know I believe God exists. I believe, yeah, you know, Jesus, yeah, he's real, but I just don't feel like I don't want to serve him right now. Well, I don't want to serve him. Well, I got to give up stuff. You know how it is when you go to church, you got to give up doing this. And I, like, I like my weed, you know, and I have to lay my weed down. And I like a toddy for the body, and, you know, I don't want to have to go there because I, every now and then I can't sleep. I got to, you know, and you go through this, all this stuff. And, you know, I got a girlfriend, I got a wife, but I got a girlfriend on the side. And then I got to have a wife, but I got a girlfriend. And then, you know, I got three or four girlfriends, and every now and then we like to hang out together, spend the night together. So, preacher, you got to understand something. I can't give my heart to God because I'm having too much fun. Well, someone said, what'd you give up when you got saved? Well, you give up AIDS from sleeping with people you shouldn't sleep with. Come on. You give up getting, getting drunk and hitting somebody in a car and going to jail for the rest of your life. You get up getting mad and getting high and shooting somebody and shooting shit. You know what I gave up? You know what I gave up when I got saved? I gave up hell. How many of you gave up hell when you got saved? That's all you gave up. And, and before, I, before I tell you this nugget, before I tell you this nugget, let me tell you, the Lord doesn't tell you to give up something that's helpful and good and going to help your body, soul, and spirit. No, he's not going to tell you. You know, I got saved and God made me give up exercise. I don't know what happened to me. You know, God's not, God's not going to tell you to give up exercise. It's going to help your body. You don't have to give me exercise. Preach. Are you signing? You, how in the world are you doing that, sister? You have to sign in tongues. I'm, pre I'm preaching so fast. You have to sign in tongues. <laughs> now, this is interesting. I want, I, don't, I, want you to, I want you to follow me here, right? So if, whew, to me, this is real simple, but this was like a revelation to me. So if this other person, let's say, my heart, something's wrong, and they take my heart out. That heart has had my blood flowing through it with my own brain. It has the peristone brain. You tracking? Let's say Billy Jones over here. Billy Jones. Perry's got a bad heart. They're going to get peristone heart surgery. So let's say Billy Jones has a heart. Billy was a rough guy. Now, the last thing I would want, 
is them to say, well, this guy, this guy, he's a good man, had a strong heart, died in prison. What did he do? He killed 12 people. Oh, God, do you think I want that heart? No, really, think about it. Because if I'm going to pick up on him, I'm going to walk around and say, if that sucker messes with me again, I'm going to kill him, Pam. I'm going to kill, kill that man. You understand? Somebody call Uncle Vinny. Uncle Vinny, I'm Italian, so, you know. Uncle Vinny, I want you to go to New Jersey. Call Uncle Vinny. You tell Uncle Vinny to come down here because we're going to take care of this man. He's a gnat. That's what a guy told me one time. He's a gnat, brother. Don't worry about it. We'll take care of him. He's a gnat. I don't want that kind of heart. But watch what changes everything. Watch what, now, now track with me here, ready? If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Now watch. They overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Here's what it means. When you struggle of saying, well, if I get right, I'm going to have to quit, quit, quit. No, you're missing the point. What happens to you is all that junk is in your heart. You're going to have a hard time giving it up because it's down in here. Now, when you repent, that means to turn. But more happens to you when you repent than just changing your mind. There is a literal act. I can't explain it. I've never been able to explain it. But when, you, when the Bible says you must be born again, I want you to look up that Greek word, and you're going to find it comes out of a word that can mean, ready, regenerate or regene. When a man came to me and said, you know what, you preachers are up there trying to change us guys that love guys. We're born that way. I said, bro, don't you understand Jesus said be born again. What I'm trying to say to you is this. It doesn't matter how you were born. It doesn't matter what kind of DNA you got. It doesn't matter how bad your daddy was. It doesn't matter if he lived a life in prison and cussed you out when he wrote you letters. Because the moment that the blood of the Lord Jesus gets in your heart, you become a brand new creature. You get a brand new heart brain. You start thinking different thoughts. All things are passed away. All things are become new. Help me praise him. Hang on. I may have to tell a story and give an altar call because this is getting real heavy right now. In my spirit, glory to his name. See, they don't understand when we talk about accepting Christ, they think we mean join a church. They think we mean they see a church steeple. Nothing wrong with that. They see a cross. They see a Bible. They see a choir. Somehow we have. Maybe it's preacher's fault. Maybe it's our fault. We've helped people just miss the entire point. And that is this. You can't change yourself. Because if you could, you would never need the Lord. You'd never need him. You could just make up your mind and have a positive confession and just move on with life. But if your heart, oh, how many times have I given an altar call and say, is your heart right with the Lord? 
not even realizing all this stuff I'm just telling you. Because it's, it's the condition of the heart. Jesus said, the Bible said it in Jeremiah this way. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. I'm going to try to tell you the story from memory. I may leave one or two parts up, but I can remember most of it. There was a man, absolute true story. There was a man who was raised in church by a godly mother and father. And he got to the age as a young man where he did not want to go to church. He loved hunting, and his mom and dad would beg him to go to church. And he would spend all day Sunday with guys hunting. And he started drinking real heavy, you know, the hunting cabin and all that. And they, they take their liquor and they drink heavy. And one day he got mad at two men he knew and shot both of them's head off. True story. I mean, he was, you know, he'd been drinking. But, you know, when you're going before the judge for murdering two people, your excuses won't, they're not going to take an excuse. He was so mean that they sent him in Huntsville, Texas. I preach there every year. And there's four federal prisons in Huntsville, Texas. There's one that all it has is one electrical wire running, running around. It's like a real, real minimum security for like your, you know, your tax evasion. And they can track, they got trackers. They can track a guy down. But there's one down there that's like super, super intense. Now, I'll tell you what happened to him. This man got in so many fights, threatened to kill people in the general population that they got upset at him and they ordered them, you're going to have to put him not just in solitary confinement, you put him where he don't talk to or see anybody. They took a morgue that was inside the prison and turned it into his prison room, a morgue. It had no windows. It had one light that was up there, just one bulb. They put a steel door in and with a little opening about that big. And when they would try to bring him food, he would try to spit through the window on the guards. He would take the food sometimes. He'd grab a handful of it and he'd try to shove it. He would curse. He would use profanity. They wouldn't give him, they, they let him, they say, put, he's an idiot. He's, a, he's got something on him. We don't even know what he's got. He's the most evil man here. Put him in a cell and let him rot. And they stuck him there, shut the door, and sometimes he'd eat, sometimes he wouldn't, sometimes, you know, and all he had, he had the little toilet, and he had a bed there, and that was it. There was nothing else. It was a little, it was a small cell. Locked him up. Locked him up, forgot about him. They wouldn't even, they wouldn't give him anything to read. He just tear, somebody, somebody tried to give him books, and he would tear the books up and throw them back at the guards. See that little, you know, when they'd open it, it was terrible. This man, they say, was totally controlled by some kind of a spirit and was the worst, most evil man that ever stepped foot in there on how he, he, couldn't, he couldn't get along with any human being on the planet. No. Now, months and months and months went by, and one day he asked them for a Bible. He said, you know, I'm, I'm bored in here. He said, well, can somebody just bring me a Bible? They said, well, it ain't going to do you any good. He said, well, I didn't say it was going to do me any good. I just want something to read. But he said, my mom and dad... My mom and dad used to read me a Bible when I was a kid. I just like to have a Bible. And they said that he, they gave him one book, which was a Bible. And he started reading it. And he would spend 
that he would spend hours a day in that cell. And finally, they would let him out in a little yard one hour a day. Months and months, a long time went by. One hour a day, he'd walk, he'd, nobody, no, just him, he walked there walking. And so he'd read that Bible, and what he would do, he'd memorize it. And he would then, after he'd, he'd walk that little cell, little few feet, walk, and he'd start quoting back everything he learned. The guy learned the whole Bible. He started memorizing the whole Bible. He didn't, he didn't have nothing else to do. And they said the guard starts saying he, he, they'd come bring food. Oh, sir, thank you for that. I appreciate that. And they said, what's happening to him? I think his name was Clyde. What's happening to him? So what do you mean? He said, he's like friendly. He's like, I mean, he's like really friendly. And then he would say to them, have y'all ever read this? I read a verse that he'd holler through them through that little thing. And they'd go out there for an hour and there'd be a guard. He said, let me tell you something I learned today. And it was it, a couple years goes by and somebody says, look, man, I don't know what's happened to this dude. I know he's a murderer, but this, this dude ain't the same. And he said, I wouldn't mind if y'all would see fit someday to put me back in general population because I feel like I'm a different man now. He said, I'm a different man now. So they went and said, can we, can we try it? He's going to spend the rest of his life here if we don't do something. Went in the general population and got connected with a chaplain. Watch this. And became the chaplain's right-hand man. Then went to school himself to be a chaplain in prison, not outside. Studied to be the chaplain and, and then started a ministry for men in the prison. And they tell me that in that prison, he became so popular that even the state started paying attention to him and gave him ministries to be over in prisons. And he was like the director. He could direct it. Let him go in general population. Then start letting him go just anywhere he wanted to go in the prison. Became a chaplain. Became a spiritual leader. Start conducting church services. One man to the Lord. Now, let me ask you, how do you explain that? How do you explain it? This, this got into his what? Yes. And when it gets into the heart brain, then the brain starts signaling the mind, and the mind starts signaling the brain. And then this mind of Christ gets in you. Then you start having the mind of Christ. Then you start thinking like him, and then, and then you start acting different, and, and people start saying, you know, there's something different about you. I don't know what it is, but there's something different about you. And my point is this. I don't know who I'm talking to. I'm talking to someone. I really am by the Spirit. You can't, you don't struggle. Here's the thing you got to understand. You've seen some Christians that tried and they didn't make it or they tried and they backslid and somebody was on fire, then they lost the fire. Don't judge Jesus by a Judas. Jesus had 11 on fire guys. Look, Peter even put a curse on himself. He self-cursed himself. Thomas said, I ain't believing until I see. And one of the, the treasurer committed suicide and hung himself. That's three out of 12 dysfunctional men. And the others ran when he was crucified. Ain't nobody hanging around, homie. Homeboys are gone. They ain't hanging around him. No, they left him. They left him alone. And he took that bunch and, made, and they turned the world upside down after his resurrection, after they got filled with the Spirit. So I don't know who I'm talking about, but I'm going to tell you this. 
this thing about serving Jesus, it's not really a struggle. Not when your heart's in it. Not when your heart's in it. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.